Ever quit a job? Ever redefined yourself within one? Ever started something one big or failed? Quit. It's a call-in show, hopefully helping people sort out their lives, reevaluate their options, kick their crummy corporate stooge jobs to the curb, and start something awesome. I'm Dan Benjamin. It's time to quit. If you'd like, you can call in live and be a part of the program. In fact, I need you to. I mean, we've got Tina. So technically, we don't need you to. But if you want to call in, the number to dial 512-518-5714. Now, you could have left a voicemail for me, but I didn't even check him this week because I have so much to say. So I apologize in advance. Again, the number 512-518-5714. Maybe I can help you. I am angry today, just for the record. And uh, I have uh, a full, it's a full house again. It's a full house. Who goes first? The new guy, Joel Bush. How you doing, Dan? Hi, Joel. How are you? I'm great. For those who shamefully don't know who Joel Bush is, I don't know how that could be. But this is the guy. Well, first of all, he, he uh, can I say you run Amplifier? I mean, uh, is that fair? It's not. It's not fair to say? It's that's too bold a verb. Oh. I help Amplifier. Okay. So what, the Amplifier, for those who don't know, not to be confused with Amplified, the show that I do with Jim Dalrymple. This is different. Okay. Correct. He's, he's Amplified? Yeah. He is, he is Amplified is the name of the show. And I want to yeah. point this. I want to put that. goes right. See how she looks like right up on top of it like he loves it? it he's doing it. it right. Thank uh, you. Joel runs Amplifier. This, these guys, you ever heard of Despair Inc.? The demotivational posters. <laughs> The best stuff in the world is stuff. They're great. They I love do, them. They do. That's, that's Tina. Tina yes, Nikolova. She's here. She's part of the show. Whatever she's doing is dropping calls. It's fixed now. Okay. Uh, not Tina. Tina can do no wrong. <laughs> Tina's up in Brooklyn, and she was on one of the previous episodes, and uh, she's, uh, she's here to represent uh, Brooklyn, and we appreciate that. She, we're going to be talking to her. Joel Bush, he does our T-shirts. He does all the stuff that uh, I've ever done that's anything good. He produces all of this. And they've got a, a main, they've got a, a huge operation. It's huge, simply huge. We help people who want to get merchandise to their fans, yes. Help me help you. That's what we do. <laughs> and it, Joel has come up with so many great ideas for me over the years. Uh, when, I, when he found out that I was moving to Austin, he reached out. And I think uh, Mark DiCristina over at MailChimp is who introduced us, right? Could be that that easily could be. We're we're good friends with Mailchimp. And he said, "Listen, I'm your man on the street." I think you said exactly that. I'm your man on the street. I can help you out. I can help you out. And he introduced me to everybody, and uh, made me feel right at home. Thank you. And Joel's here today. Joel Bush. Thank you. Okay. Also in the studio, back again. <laughs> <laughs> Not at the gym. Not at the gym right now. Right. Is uh, is Shlok. Shloki. Yes. Uh, Shlokvadia. At one time with covert operations for an undisclosed branch of the military. Now, a regular potentially, citizen. St- potentially now as well. Yeah. Yeah. We, well, you never know. You never really leave. That's why I go to the gym. Yeah. And he's back. He's back from his self-imposed hiatus, I guess, from the show. It's a long flight back from Saudi Arabia. Yeah. <laughs> Dubai. I thought it was Dubai. Whatever. Can't say. Doesn't matter. Also, that's Heidi Cook. She's sitting here uh, <laughs> making sure everything works. Running and, in and out of the room. Yes. <laughs> and in the other room, unseen and unheard, except by the people who are calling into the show, is, uh, is Caitlin, new associate producer here, helping out. She's screening calls today. The Ansible was acting up a little bit, but I've been assured got, that it's, got it now. things are under control. 
And that's all that matters. Number dial 512-518-5714. Lines are, now we get a couple lines. This could still fill up. Uh, so I don't know where to start with this. I want to, Tina, I want to read something to you. All right, go ahead. Because Tina, for those who don't remember Tina, shame on you. Someone with an accent like that in, in America stands out in a good way. Tell me again, uh, what are you doing? You're an actress. Is it, can yes. I say actress or is that, is that no longer PC? It's actor for men and women now. No, you, you can say actress. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. All right. I just want to do it right. So actress, you're up yes. in Brooklyn. Yes. You called into the show, and I think that the reason I wanted to have you on the show in particular, last week at the end of the show, I felt like I needed to talk about 4 o'clock in the morning courage. Have you ever heard of this, Joel? I have not. Do you have this? 4 o'clock in the morning courage? 4 o'clock in the morning courage. Okay. I'm going to read a little excerpt here. It's a, it's a book. Uh, I should put this into the show notes. It, I saw it first as a, as a movie. It's a great movie with Harrison Ford. Okay, but it's also before that. Uh, it, is, it is a novel. And the novel is by Paul Thoreau. And I read it after I saw the movie. And the novel's way better than the book. I mean, that's usually the case, right? But way better. Okay, so... The movie's way better than the no, book? No, the book is way better than the movie. What did I say? The novel's better than the book. So. The novel is better than the book. <laughs> and the movie is no good. No, the movie's but it's better than the film. <laughs> <laughs> the book is better than the movie. So here's here's some here. Okay, so uh, Harrison Ford plays uh, the father in this movie. Okay, and he's that's uh, Ali Fox is the character's name, and the story is told from the standpoint of Charlie Fox, who's played in the movie by River Phoenix, who's his son. The book is written from the son's perspective. And I'm going to read a little excerpt from this book. I had to buy this book to have it here on the Kindle. And here is, there's a problem with their, I don't want to ruin the story, but they're on a ship. Okay, and the ship is having problems. And Harrison Ford's character, Ali Fox, knows how to fix stuff. Same way Joel does. Joel's the kind of guy that fixes stuff. No offense, look. <laughs> and here's what he says. Again, told from Charlie Fox's son. All right. I, didn't, I, 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 I did not doubt that he would succeed. He's talking about his dad. I had never known him to fail. People sometimes misunderstood father because he frowned. And there's a whole thing. They call him father. It's a, you'll, you'll see when you read it. Because he frowned when he joked and he laughed when he was serious. He also gave you information you did not need. Like, these are Davids. But those of us who knew him never doubted him. If there was one thing Father did not know, it was this. He did not need to prove himself to us. At this time, I thought he enjoyed taking risks. Yet what is a strong man's risk? He was fearless, so we were safe. I was the boy in Reverend Spellgood's story. I believed in Father. I was not afraid. All night long, so there's a problem with the engine in the ship. All night long, the ship received the shock of waves and wind, and the sound was like the tumbling of flinty boulders against the hull. I hit my head against my bunk frame, and Clover and April cried as sisters. They woke me up to tell me they could not sleep. I listened to the rough water. It sometimes seemed as if we were sloshing around the floor and down the passageways and we were under the sea. All night in my dreams I drowned. and the morning was dark, the ship still pitched and rolled, but it did not strain anymore. Its rolling was an easy movement, not the sudden stages of dropping, all the waves hitting one side and the downwardness of decks. It was a freer, unhooked motion, a seesaw spank that sent my pencil slowly back and forth on our cabin table. Father is not at breakfast. 
Reverend Spellgood led his family in God, who gave us Jidoff's wheel, and the Bummocks ate in silence. She said, at least dad doesn't make us sing, but he came in singing. And here's what he says when he gets there. He told us what he had done. He had worked until midnight repairing a pump. The bushings were shot, he said. Then the bulkhead had been emptied of seawater, but this had only corrected the list slightly. Supervising the crew, it was fun, he said, like being back at Polsky's and chewing the fat with those savages. He had had them redirect the pump and empty a ballast tank and then winch back the shifted cargo containers. One had a new Toyota in it, a huge, great, stupid land cruiser. They had not finished the job until dawn, but the ship had gained speed and had stopped yawning. Your friend, the captain, went to bed at four when it was touch and go, father winked at me. Couldn't take the strain. What did I tell you about four o'clock in the morning? Courage. He had nothing to do with this ship. He was just a passenger on this ship. Okay, he went down. He fixed the engine. Who knows what would have happened if he hadn't fixed the engine? He, and he didn't quit at four in the morning. He worked all night. Okay, so let me tell you what happened to me at four o'clock in the morning today. So last night we went to the dribble meetup. Were you there, Joel Schloch? I was, I was not. Okay. In Austin here, do you know what dribble is? This is the thing that Dan Cedar Home started up after we uh, we made corked that wine site for uh, for wine aficionados. We made that site together, and then we sold it to Gary Vaynerchuk, and then we went off and did, did our own thing. And the thing that he eventually went up doing was dribble, which has been an amazing, make it, the, the tiny little bit of success that we saw with, uh, with court was just, it was, it was nothing compared to what he's done with dribble. Dribble's a phenomenon. How was the meetup? It was fine. <laughs> I would hope it'd be great. I mean, it was all right. <laughs> Greg's story was there. And, uh, after the meetup, I, I went and uh, Dr. Drang was in town. You ever heard of this guy on Twitter, Dr. Drang? No. He's a weird dude. He's mi- saw, missing fingers and stuff. I heard y'all talking about him. So we went to uh, Lambert's for dinner uh, to meet up with Dr. Drang. And it was such a fun night, such great conversation. So great. That by the end of, uh, by the, end of the night, he looks down at his watch and he says, <laughs> oh, it's, you know, 1030. And, I nearly uh, shot across the room. Yeah, I mean, for 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 me, ten thirty—that's way past. You know, I like, like to be I've, home by ten thirty. My kids wake me up really early, so I didn't finally wind up getting in a bed till after midnight. Which again, it's a school night. It's you know, for me, that's late. Slow. I'm not a play young playboy like you. Mm. And uh, you know, four o'clock in the morning. As if to punctuate what I was going to talk about on the show. As if to drive home the point of what I was going to talk about on this show. Cash busts through the door. That's what I call him now, Joel. I named, by the way, I named my son after Joel Bush. Uh, but his name is Cash now. That's what he goes by. And if I call him Joel, he says, you can call me Cash. Nice. Uh, he busts in the door. Dad! And I'm just, yes. And he says... I was coughing. I said, you were coughing. He said, yeah. I said, well, just go back to bed then. And he says, no, I need water. I need you to put me back in bed. So then, of course, I'm not back asleep until five and I wake up an hour and something later. And it, may, it was like to further say this, so the, the whole concept in this book, Mosquito Coast, it talks about four o'clock in the morning courage. This is a running theme in here. Just the same way that quality is a running theme in uh, Persig Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. That's why I asked Shlok before the show if he'd read that. Shlok has a beard. 
all of a sudden shows up, he has a beard. He's gone for a week, he comes back. They also talk about gumption. In both of these books, they talk about gumption. I've talked to Merlin Mann, I think about gumption. Definition of gumption, according to Google, is shrewd or spirited initiative and resourcefulness. Don't you have to have that, Tina, if you're, if, if you're an actor, actress? Don't you need that? Um, yeah, I would say so. So tell me, how does this work? You're up there in Brooklyn. Do you have an agent or are you just out trying to get, trying to get work on your own? I'm trying to get work on my own. Also kind of trying to, well, I recently got involved with a theater company, which is something I was actually looking for because the, the idea of just constantly going to auditions for things that I wasn't really interested in was not very appealing to me. And unfortunately, the auditions that I can just get on my own without an agent um, are not that great. And I was really looking for a theater company that was interested in the kind of work that I wanted to do. And I found this theater company called the Russian Arts Theater and Studio. And they do a lot of Russian plays and... Just, you know, I looked them up and I wrote them a really personal letter and, you know, spent some good quality time doing that. And they got in touch with me a couple of weeks ago. And so you have like a job now. Well, I wouldn't call it a job. Exactly. One, you know, it's a small company, so I don't really get paid. Um, and, you know, they're already working on a show. So, um you know, right now I'm just watching their rehearsals uh, because the director, I mean, the way things work in the Russian system is usually directors work with their students, people that they've taught and that they know they have the same kind of process. And since I don't know these people and I don't know this director, we kind of have to get to know each other first. Um, so, you know, there was no audition or anything. He just said, you know, come to rehearsals and we'll have to see how we work together. And so that's what I'm doing now and we'll see what happens. So it's pretty cool. I mean, it, it's different from, you know, I think anything else, like a lot of the people I think listen to the show are, are involved in technology. Right. <laughs> and so it's, a, oh, we just lost a caller. He just dropped off. He got fed up. He had to go shovel snow. Why can they not hear? Why can they, why can they not hear anything on here? You're, uh, I don't this know. This is what I got for I, outsourcing not, uh, to a foreign country. Someone says we can now. One no, person. Now they can. One person. Yes, we can. Yes. Now nothing changed. It works now, Dan. That's what everyone's saying. <laughs> it's just magic. It just happens. Tina. Yes. <laughs> so when when you go out and you do these things... Mm -hmm. You've got to get up, you've got to get up in front of people and your job when you have one is to get up in front of people and talk. Are you, do you do more stage or screen act? Cause I haven't seen you and I was looking, I went on uh, internet movie database and I looked for you. I didn't see you. <laughs> no, you won't see me there. I've done mostly theater. I've, you know, gone on a bunch of, you know, small film auditions, um, done a few small things, but, um, no, you won't see me on any credited uh, legitimate film or TV stuff. Okay. Um, I'm not, um, I, I am looking to do film at some point and I'm hoping to do that. 
Um, but so far it hasn't happened. Also, a lot of the auditions that I see are for things that don't really feel like something okay. I want to do. <laughs> well, you know, this, this whole concept of gumption, of being inventive, of, of being able to face problems, being able to face problems that you don't understand. There's a guy that wanted to do an interview with me today and he's had to do it by noon. I couldn't do it by noon. I couldn't do it by noon. I couldn't do it. Like I wanted to do it. And, I, and by the time it was noon, I was just still doing shows. I was wrapping everything up. I feel bad because I know the guy, Grant. And I felt really bad. But one of the things that people often ask me about when they're talking about starting something up, when they're talking about leaving something, is coming up with this, having the kind of courage that it takes. And again, in this, in this book, Paul Thoreau calls it four o'clock in the morning courage. That's the time. And I'm sure a lot of my audience here has, has stayed up late, you know, whether they've been working on something, but it's, it's that thing that you reach that certain point in time in the night where you just, you just want to call it quits. You're like, you know, I'm just, you, you, you start to get that ache in your shoulders and you're like, I'm done. I'm like, I just need to take, I just need to take a nap. I just need to sleep now. I can, and, and you can't push through. You can't push through. Four o'clock in the morning is, is that's the real test. You make it to two, you can make it to three. Can you make it to four? You know, Ali Fox in the book, he makes it to four. He fixes a ship. He, he pretty much saves a ship. They find out later. And I remember one time I was in college and I used to write papers. I would just sit down. I wouldn't do any preparation. I would just check some books out of the library the day before the paper was due. I would skim them. I would say, oh, now I got my six references. I'd write it. And I'd get like an A minus because I'm a really good writer. I used to be back in my old days. It's the only thing I've ever really been good at. Maybe besides this, if I'm good at this. And my wife, she did the right thing. She would like get the books out. She'd read them. She'd study them. She'd come out with a thing. She'd have everything done on time. She'd work very hard on it and she would do a great job. She'd have her outline done. She'd and she'd get an A. She always got an A. And this was the kind of thing that like you'd, I'd have to push through late at night. And it was tough back then. Even back then as a young, a young, young man, even young by Schloch's standards. To do that, to be able to push through that. You're working on a deadline. You've got a client who's angry at you. You've got something that's due and you've got to be able to push through and you've got to be able to make this thing happen. It's not always about saving the day. It's not always about saving a ship, right? But it's about having the, the, the gumption, the guts, the, the focus to push through and get something done. So people keep saying, oh, I don't, I don't, I'm not quitting my job. I don't want to listen to that show because I'm not quitting. Like I don't want to quit. You know, so I, I was jokingly saying I should have called the show Start, but then people would keep thinking it was about startups, which is really not. But that's something that to me is, is fascinating, is the difference between people who regularly are able to face those demons to be able to push through something, to, to be able to do something that, that takes that kind of courage, whether it's get up on stage, whether it's go out, out on something alone, whether it's quit their job, whether it's have, we were having a conversation today, I will not say who this was with. But we had a lunch appointment today with somebody who is in a situation now where their job that they have, their, their regular, you know, their regular uh, day job, it, they're, they're no longer in a good situation there. They're no longer in something that's working for them for a variety of reasons. Do they, do they take another job that's been offered to them? 
do they stay where they are and just kind of be miserable or do they go out and, and partner with somebody and start a brand new company? It's, you know, and it takes, it takes that kind of willingness to try something new, to make that kind of a jump, to go out there and say, yeah, I'm going to try something I've never done before. I'm going to give up this, this job that I have right now, but you know what? I'm unhappy there and I, I kind of don't have that much to do, but I have a nice salary to say goodbye to that and either try a new job, which maybe is going to be good, maybe is going to be bad, or try your own business where you're in control, but then you're starting something new and there's less assurances there. I hear this time and time again. My advice to the person was, if you're going to start your own business, if you're going to do that, again, we're back to this thing I talked about on the very first episode. Shulk, you remember this. Mm -hmm. Give yourself some deadlines. Give yourself some reasonable deadlines where you say, if, I, if we're not making what we need to be making in three months, then what? What's happening? Nothing's happening. Calm down. I want to know what's going on in the studio. Nothing's Is that happening. wrong that no. I should know what's going on in, in, in the studio? I'm emailing. Okay. I just want to know what's going on in the studio. Why is that? I am. Okay. So back in the, in the first episode, you set the deadlines for yourself. When I started my own first business, I said to my wife, I'm going to try this thing. I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to set deadlines. Joel, do you have deadlines? Do you have not deadlines? Do you have like a, a, a barometer for yourself that says we need to be at this amount of sales in revenue or this amount of production? Like, do you have something like that? Do you have numbers you need to hit? It's getting that way now, yes. As we get bigger and bigger and have more and more to contend with, yes. For the longest time, it was just a scrap to get everything, anything and everything we could get. Really? Yeah. Just as much business as you could possibly do, and bring it on? Yes. And you, you have, just for the people who don't understand the kind of operation I'm talking about with Joel here, the kind of operation that, that Joel has requires human beings. If you get 10,000 orders you need to produce... Like the hu you need more physical human beings with skills. Yes, the bits become atoms and we have to deal with that. <laughs> That's right. That's a great way to say it. You know, you have, so when those t-shirts come in, you've got you've to have people who know how to print them, who know how to press them, who know how to go send them through all the machinery that's involved and operate mm -hmm. all that and take that. And then there's packaging, there's shipping, that stuff can't be wrong. And we answer to clients who answer to customers. That's right. People who've paid money for something who get angry if it's not there. Yes. I mean, that's always the amazing thing for me. Like I have goals here, financial goals. I want to hit X amount of sales. I want to hit, have X amount of listeners, whatever it is. But for you, I mean, how do you, so how do you go about getting more business? How do you go about generating that kind of business when you are very much in a, in a, in a lot of ways, you're a company that's behind the scenes. That's one of the selling points of what you guys do is that you, you can be invisible. Yes, Though we still, word of mouth is still our biggest driver of business. We still get most of our, even though we do try to stay totally invisible and have the people receiving the packages we've sent them never be aware that we exist. The people who are trying to do that themselves reach out to that company and find out how they're doing it. And often they're directed to us. But still, I mean, that's for, for the kind of, you guys do a lot of work. You guys do a lot of printing mm -hmm. and you guys do for some big companies. We can't say who they are. Correct. But I've been in there. I've seen it. But that servant role is just, 
is part of the way we're wired. It's just fascinating to me because you, as big of a business, as big of an, of an operation as you have, it's all word of mouth kind of stuff. That's a big role, but also events are huge. Uh, I've, over the last decade, just been to Comic-Con a lot, PAX. Uh, South by Southwest is wonderful. Here in March, all kinds of great people are going to come. We went to Portland, both of us. Yeah, XOXO. It was great. It was so great. And it's also relatively easy to spot people who could use our help. So we can re- we do you reach can out. reach out. You can contact them. You can go yes. out to them and talk. So okay. that happens a lot. All right, let me take a call. It's the Russian. He's going to be upset if I don't get to him. Alex, are you there? I am here. Okay, finally, we got you back on the show. Last week, last two weeks, I think you were trying to get in. You couldn't get in. Yeah, it was very hard. I'm back in Toronto for this week, so. Okay. And, and back to Brazil next week. So that, that's how it goes. And I don't get upset. Oh, good. I wouldn't, Most but trust me, I don't, I don't want to see you upset. No, I don't want to be upset because I know how you are when you're upset. <laughs> yeah, so. no, I'm, ups- I'm fairly <laughs> upset today. I'm upset at almost everyone in here. Right on the edge. Oh, there you go. So it's good to be here. Now, listen, um, I, I just wanted, one of the reasons I wanted Tina to be on the, the line today is she actually is quite familiar with Russian. And Okay. So also, I want to... We can start talking right away. Now, Tina, is this good? Is his Russian good? Because I'm impressed by his accent. I don't know. Uh, it, it's Tell pretty me, good, you know. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. You know, when, uh, when uh, the communism uh, stopped in, in Russia... I decided to immigrate somewhere else. <laughs> I said, no communism, no mother Russia. <laughs> All right, Alex. So what's so, going on? What's going on okay. with you? Be straight with me. What's been going on with you? What's your, what's your deal? You're oh. successful. Why do you call this show? You've got it made. Oh, you think so? Yeah. No, no, no. That, that's not true. I'm so successful, but I'm traveling all the world. Um, well, many things. I, I, I wanted to talk last week about these guys who uh, apply for other jobs. And uh, I, I don't know if you remember, you were talking about uh, programmers. How do they show that they know what they're programming and whatnot? Yeah. So in other words, this when, is when I just, somebody goes, they apply yeah. for a job and you're hiring someone who's a programmer. And how well, can you be sure that, that they actually know what the heck that they're doing? What, they, what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. And, and look, I, I will do only two topics today. Let's start with this one. Um, because oh, this is your so show now. All, when I, it's my show. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Uh, well, uh, I, I, when I had the uh, post-production facility here in Canada, the last thing that I cared about was a resume for all the artists, all the animators, compositors, everybody who actually works on visual effects on animation. Let me tell you what, because everybody lies on their resume. Oh, really? They tell you that they did one thing. Yeah, well... Not everybody, but most people are lying. They're embellishing it, if you want to call it that way. But I, I want to see what they've done. Come to me. Show me what you've done. Show me how to do it. I'll sit down with the people I want to hire for 10 minutes and show me how you can do it. I want to feel what the person is doing. I want to see how enthusiastic they are about the job that they're about to get. In, in the end, the resume meant nothing. I had better animators coming right off school than people who have been animating for three, five years. So yes, you need to present a little bit yourself, right? Isn't but, it enough though, just but, to have a GitHub, uh, you know, use GitHub and have your code up on GitHub and show up and be like, yeah, I contributed to these projects and here's my code. It, exactly. Just sh- show me, show me what, the, what you can do. 
In the case of animation, they have to come up and show you the shot, how they did this, how they did uh, the other thing. But, uh, but in the end, people who are sitting down and doing their resume, I, I, I know a lot of friends who sit down and do their resumes for months. They're sitting down and figuring out how to write it down, how to link, uh, put, the, put their profile on LinkedIn, and nothing happens because they don't have the enthusiasm to go and try to show what they really can do. But that's the thing. That's the thing. A lot of these people think that if they go and they study something and they learn it and perhaps even master it, mm-hmm. that they can then they can then just show up and say, "I I have these skills. Hire me. I mean, I have skills." It's like with Joel. If if I came out of here and I said, "Listen, I've got I've got five years screen printing experience. I I know what I'm doing." You know, Joel would probably yeah. be able to test that and say, yeah, "Okay, yeah, go, go in there and run the thing." Like, but these people, what you're saying is that people need to be able to sell themselves because there's plenty of exactly. developers out there who have written PHP code and have it up on GitHub and who contributed to Rails and whatever. There's plenty of everything out there, right? I mean, people know that there's, I don't know how many million people in the world, but there's a lot of people who do everything. So you need to, the most important thing is how you present yourself, how enthusiastic are you about getting the job and doing whatever it is that you want to get hired to do. But that seems easier for, that, a, for a technical skill that you, could, you and I can sit down and look at a screen and get something done. What if my skill set mm-hmm. is softer than that? What if it's marketing or business development? What am I, we're going to go close a deal together? I mean, like, yeah. how do you... How do you show that? you're a good salesperson, for example? Right. Other than, oh, sell me this pen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you demonstrate a, a successful marketing campaign if it's something that, you know, you were one of five people on a team that you did and, and, and how do you, how do you demonstrate that? I think there's still plenty of avenues to, to find a way to demonstrate. How do you do it? What do you do? Well, if it's marketing, you could market it. Just go find something that needs help. And there's any number of organizations or local, there's, there's so much you could do that would leave a trail that demonstrates you can do these things. Right. And, and they need to show you, like, really, you, know, you don't go out for, a, but they have to be able at least to market themselves properly. Because a, a lot of people don't It's not something they're going to learn in school. That. Alex, they're not going to learn that in school. Oh, no, absolutely not. So where do they learn it? But, a guy, you know, a guy like you, maybe it just comes naturally yeah, I to. I, it, but yeah, it, so that's why I can do that particular job, right? But learning marketing, it, it, marketing is more subjective, I think. It's, not, it's very hard to learn. You, you have to be proficient in Russian, I guess. But uh, you have to be proficient in something. And, and, and if you don't have it in you to do marketing, to do sales, to be able to speak and engage into a conversation, then that is definitely not the job for you. I hear that. But here's, here's and this is probably just the younger person perspective, um, if you are trying to figure out what you want to do, there is no good way to do that unless you're just doing it. And you can do it for free the way we've described, like go help a nonprofit market or whatever. That's fine. But um, that puts young people at a disadvantage that school didn't teach them anything. And now you're saying, if I don't immediately have the chops to do marketing, then I shouldn't do chops. All right. Sorry, I shouldn't do marketing. No, but. But you know what, for example, let's do at the most simple level. When you go to Starbucks and order a coffee, it, it can be like it's strictly a, a, an 18, 19-year-old who is extremely, uh, like, uh, like it's great 
to sell you the copy. You know the guy has the skill to do it. And obviously he has to practice and do the whole spiel and, and uh, upsell you in whatever they can. But right away you see a guy that knows marketing at the very, very basic level. And that is very hard to teach. I, I don't think that some of those skills you can teach unless they exercise. I mean, I, 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 speaking in public is something you have to um, practice over and over again in front of a mirror. The same is true for marketing. You have to do it over and over and practice what you're going to say. All right. So what's your, se- what's your second uh, topic since okay. you're running the show so, today, apparently? <laughs> well, the second topic, uh, I, I wanted to talk about it last week as well, but let, let's just talk about um, today. How, how, and, and thank God for the corporate stooges. We, you were talking about that last week uh, heavily. You know, you go to the bank. It's good to have corporate stooges sometimes, no? No, no, you, um, definitely, I, uh, you definitely need, uh, we need them. We need them. We need them. Listen, so I'm gonna, listen I'm gonna, I, I've got to get to some of these other calls. I'm not hanging up on you. I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to come back to you at the end, okay? Sure. Okay, hang I'll on. Here. Stay around. Thank you. All right. He's good. I mean, I don't want to lose him, but there's a somebody quit today. And he's freaking out. Kyle, did you quit today? Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, not quite freaking out yet. But you will For be sure by will the be end of this 10. call, I promise. <laughs> well, I'm freaking out a little because uh, it's a somber mood today at the 5x5 network with Ansible acting up, so. Well, I think we um, got it working now, but Hattie says it's working, so that's all. She fa- Whatever yeah. she did to fix it, thank you. Yeah, thank you There's some much. kind of inside um, joke going on in the studio, but it's over now, too, <laughs> so I can focus again. Awesome. Thanks for your shows. Um, you and Merlin have changed my life uh, for the good. And, How so? How uh, so? Merlin, Merlin, Merlin loves to change lives. Merlin, um, the biggest thing he taught me is to kind of go towards what I'm afraid of. And get through that that crap storm that he talks about. That's yeah. a big theme for me. So, a ton of other things. I love that show. Um, he's talking about for those week. who don't, for those who don't know for those who correctly only listen to this show, he's referring to back <laughs> back to work with Merlin Mann, which is I guess if you, if you have to listen to another show, that would be okay. Well, it is his show. So it is his show. Yeah. So did you you quit your job? Well, I'm actually transitioning out on it, but the decision to quit has been made. Um, and I think it's a good idea to not just get out straight at this point because what I'm doing is going into freelancing and I want to build up the clientele. Um, and I don't want to just jump on it. And the thing is really good about my job right now is it will be very easy to transition that way. Um, it's a very flexible hours. So uh, just making the decision, though, took a while and it took, it took a lot of like, clearing my head. So. But I think it's the right path for me at this point. So tell me, tell me more. You haven't told me anything yet. Sure, sure. Get so specific. Right now, this is a, a show about specifics. Well, let's do it. I work at a, a startup that has hit the point where it's not failing, but it's not succeeding. And no matter what I do as an individual, even though I do have, I'm not a corporate stooge, I do have the ability to try and direct it. I can't seem to, to help the direction change. And there's just not enough people on board to make something awesome. At this point, I'm kind of feeling almost corporate stoogie, kind of stuck. And how many? How many people are change. there? How many people are up in there? There's about about 25. It's a it's a pretty good small. Yeah, company it's a nice size, nice it. size, small. Yeah, it really almost is. almost mid sized company now. 
Yeah, and I'm seeing a lot of the corporate stews trends, though, already coming in, and it's kind of freaks me out. It's like, why do we want to be corporate? We can still be a startup. I've seen that. Still, I've uh, seen that before, the and and the number seems to be like once you get into like the mid twenties or thirties, something happens where you go from like a really cool casual environment. What is going on in the background there? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in a co-working space. You know all about this. Yeah, I do know all about them. I mean, I'm in one right now. Yeah. So to quieter space. Thank you. So what? Uh, I mean. What is it that happens? Now, Joel, how many people work over there? Not including the, the folks that work in the warehouse. I'm talking about the behind. Well the, well, the folks that work in the warehouse are a huge part of the, a huge, huge part of the employee base. We wouldn't be anything without them, but we have probably about 45 permanent headcount. But at any time, there might be 80 people working in the building. Okay. But, uh, but as far as the people who are not in, involved. The business in the, side, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I guess you call it the business side. How many are, are in there? People who are doing the tech support, people who are managing Just things. Order support, things like that. Yeah. Not screen printing, not production. Yeah, not right. None of that, yeah. All of the stuff that's in the hot target. People world. that have offices, yeah. 2025. Okay. And your 30. place is not, does not strike me as corporate at all. People seem to be having fun. Mm -hmm. They wear, you know, baseball hats. You know, they relax. <laughs> it's a blast. It's a party there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, thank you. It's not, it's not incredibly corporate. How do you, how do you resist that? How do you keep that from, because I think of you guys very much Although it's in a very different space than the typical startups that, that we talk to here. Um, you know, I think of you guys very much as a startup and a startup that is supportive of, of almost exclusively other startups. And if, if you think about it, we've tried to stay that way. We haven't raised a lot of outside capital, so we still retain a lot of control. I, I think sort of degrees of freedom is a big concept. And so we still, if, you have different degrees of freedom. You might show different gumption, if you will, mm -hmm. if you've got three kids. And that just sort of, I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe that as constraining your options, but I would, I would describe that as giving you a duty to other people and a responsibility. And so you just don't, you can't quite take the same actions as someone who's 25. Yeah. Um, and so we don't answer to a lot of outside forces yet who are looking just to get their money back for example. Right. Like that's a big thing. I would say too, though, representing any entrepreneurs out there whose businesses have grown to a certain size, there are regulatory requirements that start to come in once you cross certain thresholds. Oh, so that, you're saying that that, that, that forces a yeah, bureaucracy well, in, in. Even if you're still the sole owner of your business, you have hmm. to start doing things differently. If you have 50 people, 150 people, um, hmm. they've, they've put in what they view as protections, but it, it eventually starts to the business starts to get more bureaucratic necessarily just happens. And you, you feel Kyle. Yes. You feel that this is your dilemma now that you're, you're in this company. There's 25, 30 people there. You don't really feel like you can make a change to the direction the company's going in or the way that it's operating. This has infuriated yeah. you. And now you are going to yeah. walk away from your job. So you've already exactly. made the decision and you're transitioning. Are they aware that you're transitioning? No, that's uh, on Monday. I'm going to be uh, telling them that I'm, I'm going to give them a couple of weeks at least to make a plan. And, you know, if they decide it's time for me to go, which I don't think they will, that's cool as well. I just, I don't want to, you know, leave them hanging because it is a small company. Have you, have you thought about, there. have you thought about making them one of your first freelance clients? Yeah, I have, and I, I think they'll probably be receptive to that. I mean, if you go into them and you say, listen, um, yeah, I, 
I want to do this thing. And this thing involves doing freelance work. And it's my dream and it's what I want to do. But I've really enjoyed my time here. I really like working with you folks. And I know that I'm involved in a lot of things. Can I, can I transition out of a full-time role here but still be involved in the stuff you do? I, they're probably going to say yes. If they're smart, yeah. they're going to say yes. Especially if you give them a, 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 a decent rate, right? This sure. is the same advice that I gave the, uh, the person that I was talking to today at lunch. Maybe you can turn this in this, this cl- current client that you have or this potential new job that you have. Maybe you can turn that into something that will fuel your own business. And it's a nice way to take a step in that direction and kind of test the waters. It's a nice little cushion. Well, and you don't leave on a bad note either. Exactly. It's saying I still care about you as a company and you people that work here that I've worked with for so long. Exactly. And I still yeah, want to work. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. I love the people I work with. So the, the, just the hardest part about the decision was is leaving them. So I don't want to leave them in a bad, with a bad taste. What's your main inspiration for doing it? Just that you're unhappy there or that you feel like you can make more money or that you, don't, um, you want to work from home in your pajamas or what? Actually, uh, the story is I was visiting Austin and I saw the startup scene. And that's my ultimate goal is to be part of a startup that's really working that I'm actually the co-founder of. So this is my transition to be able to have more freedom and the plan is to actually move to Austin and become part of the startup scene there. It's, it's really blowing up right now, and I uh, want to move towards that, so that's my inspiration for it. Shlok is incredibly deep, deeply involved in this startup. Why are you laughing? Uh, even you are. You know, yeah, because this is, this is all there. you. Shlok lives in the startup scene here. He's seen it all. He's seen it all. He's seen the best and the worst of them. He's seen companies come and go. What do you think of the startup scene here, Shlok? Yeah, I mean it's it's it is extremely vibrant, um, but there is a like as with any like complex ecosystem, um, there's a, just a lot of uh, chaff, and um, there has to be a clear focus on your end to you know separate yourself from that. How do you do that? So I mean, you plug into the right people, right? You come in, you you. Work but who to do, get he doesn't me. know? He shows up in Austin. You know, he you. doesn't know it. Well, he knows me. He knows of you. And now he needs to get to know you, and he's, he needs to hustle until he gets a meeting with you or That's with Joel. Right. That's right. Or, or with Joel. It's tough to get to Joel. Come to Mozart's on Fridays. It's tough easy. to get to Joel. <laughs> there easy. you go. If you can take the weather. It <laughs> well, gets you, hot out Now is a good deck. time. Now is the right time, but he's not going to be here. Now he's going to show up probably. I'm guessing you're going to be here in like um, May. Right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, see. <laughs> I was just there this weekend. It was The weather was beautiful. Austin's a beautiful city. I got some time with some of the people in the startup scene and they're already working. See, and this is exactly what, this is exactly what we were talking about with, uh, with Alex is that you've got to be, and what you just said, Shlok is that you've got to be able to hustle. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. If, if, if hustling and Kyle, thanks for the call. I'm going to let you go, but, uh, but stay tuned. All right. All right. Thanks for the call. You You know, you've got to be able to hustle. You've got to be this. If you think you're going to be able to do anything for your own business, like, I don't care how great of a coder you are. I don't care how great of a writer you are. Unless you're so good and so well-known by anybody, and I have yet to meet anybody who fits this criteria, so. But unless you're so good that people just know to just call you, that they're just going to call you because you're amazing and your reputation precedes itself, and, and they can just call you up and say, hey, you're going to be, you know, we need you because you're amazing, um, you need to be able to, to sell yourself. You need to be able to do the, the slow hustle. You need to be able to come in and say, I, I am good and I can prove you need to do what Joel said. You need to be able to leave. What, what was the term that you used? Uh, it wasn't a bread crumb, crumb trail, but it was something like that where you can go in and, and, and show I've done these things. 
And I'm and I and you have to be able to sell yourself. You have to be able to sell yourself. Otherwise, you keep that job. Keep your corporate stooge job. There's no other way to do it. All right, here's uh Yeah, I think Colin, we gotta get the Colin. He's been on hold the longest. Colin's in Jersey? What is it? What's going where are you? In a bar? <laughs> it's so where uh, are these no, people? It's on a freeway. Right now, actually. Where are you? I'm in my car. Okay. Is it uh is there too much background noise? Because I have you on speaker. No, nah, I mean it, it's it's all right. He's bound. And are you on? Are you on the Jersey okay. Turnpike or what? No, I'm on. Uh, I'm on Route Nine in the snow right now. Oh man, yeah, I heard you guys got some weather up there. So what are you calling about? I, I have here, and uh, it says that you're you want to expand your client base beyond the people you know. And how do you do that? Right. Right. It's so, a good question. Um. Reader's Digest version of my story. I was out in uh, in California working for a internet broadcaster that your listeners are probably familiar with. Can you be specific? Uh, Can you be more specific? For Twit, I was working at Twit. <laughs> okay, so you were working out of Twit, and right. uh, they're in uh, um, Petaluma, decided, right? Yeah. What did you do and, in there? Uh, Cal Country, California, was not for me. Hmm. Um, I was doing streaming video there for them. Oh, cool. Uh, so I talked to them. They were very gracious. They gave me um, a little time of, you know, some freelance rate to help me move back across the country, back home to the East Coast. And uh, so now I'm sort of searching for a corporate food shop. I haven't ruled it out. It's not necessarily what I want to do. Um, the biggest motivator is these awful HR portals you have to use when you're applying for jobs. Oh, yeah. You just fill out endless forms and you never hear anything from anybody. Um, so what I'm looking to do is create a business basically out of what I learned working at Twit, uh, which is a turnkey solution for streaming video in that I've got the cameras, I've got the, the endpoint, you know, I've got the Wowza server set up. I give you the embed code for your website. I give you a podcast when you're done. So if you're having, you know, if you're having an event, you know, you're doing a keynote to unveil an app, uh, you're holding a town council meeting and you want to put it on the internet, you can call me up and I do the whole thing from end to end and no one has to think about it. They just have to call me. I mean, it sounds like a good business, especially because more and more people are getting into podcasting and more and more people, you know, want to want to do the video side of it. So it sounds like a nice right. a nice um, business. It doesn't sound like you need a ton of customers in order to make a decent living doing it. Am I right about that? Like you wouldn't need a thousand customers. You might need. You no, know, I, I think reasonably, if I if I were doing two three events a week, I could probably live comfortably. Um, are there are there two or three events a week without you constantly being on the road and disrupting your entire life to? Uh, to make that Hopefully. possible. And, and do, um, do I see here that you were, you used to be in Philadelphia? Yes. Okay. That's where I'm getting back to. That's where I will be once I buy a home. Okay. Cause I was going to say, don't, don't uh, settle in Jersey. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to settle in Jersey. I mean, Tina, Tina can tell you that. <laughs> um, so I've actually talked to a lot of friends who do, um, you know, friends who work in like video rental houses and things like that, where you can rent video equipment. And, and it seems like there is kind of an underground demand for this kind of service. Like bands will come in and rent cameras and, 
you know, ask, oh, do you know anybody who can, you know, put this online streaming? Um, but, but so the wall I'm kind of hitting now is, you know, I've talked to people in my immediate social and professional circles, um, you know, and I found a couple potential things to do, even if I do it, you know, a little below my normal rate, just to kind of start building a client page. All right, already, I don't now. like this. Already, I don't like it. Well, I'm not talking free. You know, my, right. I will be covering my cost. I'm willing to take a little less profit just to, to start getting the word of mouth out there. Okay, well, but I'm not, I'm not going to. I don't want to work at a loss. Okay, I have some general concerns about your the whole business idea. First of all, I think it'll okay. work. Okay, I think it'll work. I think this is a good idea. I think you should do it first. So keep keep it, that in mind as I begin to pick this thing apart and destroy it. Okay. The first That's thing con- the first thing that concerns me is again. I like it. We're here. We're here at this. Uh, we're here at the tech ranch here in Austin, right? And they always do these events, and they keep asking me, like, can you, you know, like, we want to stream the events, we want to do audio stuff, when I'm like, that's, like, we don't do that. Like, we're, we're guys that, you know, we're, we're, we're people sitting in a room, and we're talking into microphones, and we're making, uh, we're making talk radio. That doesn't mean we couldn't, like, stream a video thing, but we don't, we're the exact opposite of what you want to do. What you want to do is you're going to take your setup and your rig and your gear, and you're going to go to a place when there's an event happening, you're going to go to that but that is a, that is a tough, I know, I've known people in this industry. I've known people who do this. This is a tough industry to scale and do. And I've seen companies right. doing this, especially back in the rails conference days and things like that, who would do this and they'd make a ton of money doing it. And they loved what they were doing. And then they'd shut down. And I remember talking to them and they, they're like, Oh yeah, this is our last event. I'm like, why you guys have made such a great name for yourself. Why would you be done? You know, why, why not keep doing this? And it's because the amount of work that went into it, although they made money, it was just, it was so much work and the logistics were so crazy and the amount of time right. that they had to spend preparing for it, packing for it, doing, it was like a parachute jump every single time they had to fold everything just right, you know, and it was so right. much work and it was so hard for them to, 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 to do it and so expensive and that if they wanted to be doing two events at, at one time, now they had to have twice as much equipment because they needed every single thing. They want to do three events at one right. time, and that's how you expand. Colin, that's how you expand. It, it, now they've got to have three, four, five times the equipment and the right number of people to do it. There's only one of you, you know? Right. It's not like you can set, like I can set up this studio here, and I can click a button or two, or I can have, you know, Hattie or... or uh, you know, or Caitlin do it. And Moises can come in here and do his show. But you can't do that. You can't, you can't just hand it to somebody else and say, you're going to be able to do all the things that I can do. It's all going to rely on you. Right. Now that's possible, but you're describing to me more the job of a handyman who's going to okay. have all his equipment in his truck, you know, and he can drive to your house and he can, he can install a new ceiling fan. He can fix the electrical outlet. He can repair the fence. You know, he can fix that door that doesn't ever seem to close right. He can, he can you know, fix the, the screen that the cat pushed down on the window. You know what I'm saying? He can do all these things around there. But, like, he can't just hand the keys to another guy and expect that the other guy's going to be able to do the same thing if he gives him a truck full of equipment. It's a, tra- it's a trade that it's you a trade. learn. Right. And you're, you're talking about doing a trade. Thank you for that term, man. That's exactly right. 
You're talking about doing right. a trade. And I think you could make a nice living doing this, but for how long? Right. And so then, that concerns me a little. And when you stop, there's no residual value at the end. Like when those companies, yeah. those friends of yours, when they stopped, like that's it. Yeah. It, it ends. When yeah. They they're stop. done. And now they have to, they you know, can, go to Craigslist with all their equipment. Right. So that concerns right. me. That concerns me. What you want, Colin, is you want people to come to you. You want to set right. something up. And I don't know if it's a studio, if it's a building, if it's an event, an event space. Mm -hmm. Okay. You want to make where you are, especially if you're in Philadelphia or you're going to a, you know, getting out of Jersey and, and going to a real city where you can set up shop and you can be the place to go. And yeah, it's not the same thing, but there are plenty of people who are like, Hey, you know, I want to do an event. They need an event space anyway. So typically what happens, oh, we're going to go down, the ideas. yeah, we're going to mm -hmm. go to the Hilton and we're going to rent a thing in the Hilton and yeah, their food isn't really good, but maybe we could get some food brought in and no, you create the perfect event space. You just tweak your idea a little. I'm not saying you have to do this, but I'm saying figure out what people want and what are they doing when they're going to do this? Because I just don't want to see you driving around in a, you know, you know, one of those crappy, you know, white vans with all your garbage in there. You know, or trying to get right, those expensive right. cases to pack stuff up and ship it. And or worry put it on about a plane. stuff getting broken into. And It's a nightmare, dude. You've got, right, And that's right, expensive yeah. equipment that you're taking around. And you're going to be the audio guy to make sure it's recorded right. And you're going to stream. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. I, yeah. I, I actually hadn't thought of that. That's, that's an interesting... Um, I'm just worried about I'm worried about you, Colin. I have two categories for people. <laughs> I have two categories. People I'm worried about. And people I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about Joel. You know what I'm saying? I'm not at all worried about Joel Schloke. He's right. He's in the middle. So there's three categories. <laughs> well, he's shifting. He's depending on he's the day. He's in transfer. He's, yeah. He looks good today. He's got a beard. I'm going to put him in the not worried about him this time around. Last week I was worried about him. But you I'm a little worried about just because I want, I mean, I think you've got, you have a skill set that is very specialized, but very desirable right now. As right. people and, want, and I would love for, for when we finally figure out where we're going to be long-term for our space, I would love to be able to say, I'm going to fly Colin out here and I'm going to have him build out our video thing that we're going to do. Cause eventually we'll do video again. I started doing video for the first year. It's been a few years since I've done it. And I've tried to figure out everything on, on my own. And there's so much there and it's changing so much. I'd love to say, Colin, I'm going to just fly out and you can set up our hair lighting. You know, right. you get everything figured out and solve that problem for us. That I could see you doing. I also have another idea is I know a lot of people that do event videography uh, also pair up with a still photographer. So you have, you know, you can offer event space, video and still photography. And I think that would just be fantastic. I mean, that's everything you need right there. And you don't have to worry about right. hiring individual people. Yeah. It's one company and that would be so cool. That's kind of like what uh, what Kelly and um, Kelly and Paul are Paul doing. doing. Mm -hmm. You all know Kelly and Paul. All right, listen, Colin. I'm a little I'm a little worried about you. Well, I'm not worried about me. So all right. I'm glad somebody's worried about me though. Um, so but how do you expand? So back to your back to your question. How do you expand your client base beyond people you know? I mean, listen listen to what listen to what Joel was saying in the beginning of the show. They don't do any real advertising push. Once in a while, they reach out to a potential, especially as it's connected to South by Southwest here. But those yeah. events, man, I remember those guys I was talking about who did the, the video stuff for the Rails thing. They would show up and they'd do a really good job and they'd put on it. They'd do such a good video that the next time a little conference would come out, somebody would say, well, you guys did the, the video work for this. 
well, I want to do that. Get your stuff out there, man. Colin, that's, that's the only thing you yeah. can do is get it out there. Get your, get your stuff out in front of people. Show them how awesome it is. It's the same thing like Alex was talking about, putting your code out there. You know, right. it's the same exact thing. Get your work out there. Let people see it. Let people find it. Show what you can do. And then, uh, you know, when, when someone has an event, they'll think of you and they'll hire you. They'll bring you out. All right. All right. Just thanks. For, now. I got to let you go, okay. man. I got to let you go. Thanks so All much right, for the call. Call back. Let us know what you do. Good. All right. Thanks, Dan. I like that guy. I'm a little, he's still in the, uh, in the worried about category, you know. All right, Colin. Bye. Sometimes the Ansible just doesn't hang up the first time. <laughs> it's not perfect. I'm a little worried about it. Like, I think, you know, he's like, he's, I think he's got a good idea, but this is the thing. Focus, focus, start small. He's starting big. You got to think big and start small, right? How, how big was your operation when you started it, Joel? Oh, incredibly tiny. Cause right now you should see this. They have the most amazing warehouse. They've got everything is set up for like a production workflow. I mean, they, I was going to say it really flows. Yeah. So well there, like the whole place. Everything's organized. It's hot in there. <laughs> it's the only well, downside. Not today, but yeah, it's it's yeah. not climate controlled. Did you start out of a garage? We, well, when we started fulfillment, because we we were in existence for about nine months before we actually started shipping things. So then we were just in an apartment. Uh, wow. When we started shipping, though, we were in an old, old two story office building off of South Lamar. If you know where Susie's and Maudie's are yeah. by the Alamo there, just down the hill on the railroad tracks. It's not there anymore. It's about to be a lofts and stuff. All of our former locations are about to be lofts or are already lofts. And we made a critical mistake. This is a long time ago, but we couldn't get pallets in the building. Right. So when inventory would arrive, we'd have to bucket brigade it in. Ooh. And, uh, but you know, we had despair as a client. They were a charter client. We, we kind of built amplifier having seen what how despair had exploded um and we we learned from a couple of early facilities that for the next one you know we needed a full true warehouse we had gotten big enough dock high doors and plenty of room makes it all the difference in the world gotcha i got a sponsor i got to do it's hover.com simplified domain management you've probably registered a domain with a company they just want to sell you stuff they just want to upsell you stuff you just want to you just want to .com .co.tv.net, whatever. You just want to show up and you just, you just want to register and get out of there. And all these other companies, they want to upsell you on stuff. Well, Hover doesn't do that. It's straightforward. It's simple. It's elegant. It's, it's my favorite registrar. And I used them before they were a sponsor. And now I use them for everything and have been. And there's a lot of choices out there. It's tough because I'll see companies and they'll say, well, we couldn't get the .com that we wanted. Well, try the .net. Like when I, I, I love 5x5.tv, that domain name, but I still have to explain .tv to people. It doesn't mean don't get it, but I still have to explain it. You know, .net, you don't have to explain that to anybody. You don't have to explain it to anybody. They understand it. There's a lot of weird dot whatever choices out there, but .net is still that, I would say, second, if not first choice for some people. So go to hover.com. They have real human beings available for support there. Their number's right in the front page of their website. If you have any problems, you just call them. They have a no-hold policy, so they don't put you on hold. They stay with you and figure things out. They've got DNS management built in. they got email hosting. they got everything you're going to need. Code to use is Dan sent me. 
you get 10% off everything, or you can just go to hover.com slash Dan sent me and you will get 10% off applied immediately. Go check them out. I think you'll like them as much as I do. I don't know what that thing is from, Hattie. It doesn't make any sense to me. I that, mean, is it an email? Is I, it's it a from text? an email. It's, it's from Casey. I don't know what it means. I don't know what that means either. <laughs> I have to figure it out after the show. Let me take a couple more calls. Because we're going, we're already gone long. Tina, what do you think of this? Are you still there? Or do we lose you? I'm here. I'm here. What do you think of all this? This is outside of, you know, of, of what you're doing, but you're a business of one. Yeah, I am business of one. How do you do it without an agent? Don't you feel like you need an agent or, or do they not have agents in theater and stage acting at, at, the, at the stage that you're at right now, so to speak? Well, no, it would be great to have an agent, but there is a, is this um, circle of, you know, if, if you haven't done enough work on your own, no agents were going to really pay attention to you. But if you don't have an agent, you can't really get the good stuff. So you really kind of have to fight your way in somehow before you can even um, get an agent. That's mm. kind of how So you actually have to, like you have to do work and be out there on your own every day fighting for yourself to get yourself out and seen and known about. And once you're out and seen and known about and you have some work behind you, then an agent, you can work with an agent and you can say, okay, now we can, we can go and we can, we can represent me and, and bring me to the next level. Is that right? Yeah, that's kind of how it goes. Okay. <laughs> I'm just curious. We got to, we, can, can you talk to Matt? Tina, do you want to talk to Matt for a minute? Sure. All right, here's what he, he wants to talk about, a small player taking on a big player, which is exactly what you're doing. All right. Matt, what's uh, going on with you? Hey, um, so I guess the quick of it is, um, you know, you talk about Corpus Jazz. I actually like my job. Um, I just came into a good idea with a, a family member, so we're going half into this. Um, so I, 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 think it, I think it has a great potential to go somewhere, and, I, you know, I like the idea of, you're not going to have true financial freedom unless you do something for yourself. So, um, you know, we're about one to two months away from going live here. And without getting into specifics, my, my biggest thing that I want to, I think I need to work through is being, being, you know, the newcomer into a market that really is only saturated with one main player. So it, it's how we're going to be able to differentiate ourselves uh, go after them and, and take, essentially take their business, you know, and to me, like, you know, everybody says good customer service. Well, like that's a given to me. I want, you know, I need to, I guess, really learn to develop a better plan than that. This is a question for, for Shlok right here. Yeah, this is, so, this is so, Shlok's area of expertise. He's, uh, he knows how to do this. Good, good customer service. End of, end of, end of answer. Um, no, it's it, right. So you have a, um, let's say it's a, it's a product, right? Not a service. And that part does matter. It, it is a service. Okay. That makes it a little bit different. Um, Joel might actually be helpful. Okay, Joel, let's hear it. Joel, Joel's the, okay, fine. Well, I knew one of you guys would have the right answer. What's the, I'm, I'm lost. What's the open question? Uh, he's got a service. Yeah. There's one big player. And he wants to take, he's point. got a new service and he thinks that he can attack and defeat the big player in this industry because his service is superior. 
Do, do I have that right, Matt? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's that's it. He wants to come out and he wants to take take these guys out, and you've done that. You started in your apartment. We've we've you know achieved success, but I don't know that we uh, have taken anybody down or the, you know we've had the good fortune that the space we're in keeps expanding and all kinds of trends keep playing in our favor. It's been wonderful. So in fact, we haven't had to go into a, a market for a service where there's only one entrenched competitor that controls everything. It's, it's uh, we've been, we've had what I feel is a more fortunate uh, field of play. Right. And, and, and so to build on that, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I mean, it definitely is from your perspective, for mine, though, I mean, like, there are players out there, and you have carved out a niche in the market. Oh, sure. That's by nature aggressive, even though you didn't focus on it, right? And I think that's an important thing for, is it Mark, Matt, Matt, um, to consider mm-hmm. is that, you, you know, own your piece. That's going to be the biggest part. You're going to naturally eat away at somebody else's, um, you know, uh, table of food. But you are going after your own part. And so that that's why people keep saying things like, do customer service better, be better, just fundamentally be better at everything you do and things will work out because it is kind of that simple. Do your own part and then the rest will play out. That said, um, there are unique ways that a small company will interact with a larger company um, that are in some ways uh, (laughs) parasitic or predatory, depending on your perspective. So you could um, potentially partner up with somebody that you don't, that, you know, you're taking away part of their business you could turn into just a mild revenue stream for them. They'll, you'll stay off their radar until you start flipping those cli- clients um, 100% of your own. I was going to ask that. A related question is how big can you get before they notice you? Yeah. And what happens when they notice you? And then do they go to war I, I or do think, they buy you? I mean, yeah, maybe, I think, maybe, I maybe the... What, what Shlok just said, though, I mean, maybe the answer is just just be in that space. And just your being in that space is enough for... You know, maybe that maybe you are going to get acquired by the other guys. Just being out there and being a player in that space at all, being in that space. Joel, you look uh, concerned. I'm still, I'm a bit perplexed. Yeah, and so it it would, there would just need to be more detail of better service. He doesn't want to say anything. Better service, how? Yeah, and, I mean, and, and if, if, if it was further along, but I, I actually, he said something that I did like that, I, I guess I hadn't thought about before, was that, you know, it, it's, it is a growing market, and... So really, we can look to grow into the new portion of the market where we, we can really capitalize on that. And I think that 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 would be a good uh, yeah. If you could carve out a, a and start to get established, if you could carve out a piece of that market that works great for you, the piece that whatever differentiation you have that it most appeals to this subsegment segment of the market, and then you wouldn't be a threat at, for a long time potentially to whoever this big player is. Um, He's not telling us enough. It's, yeah, it's, it's just, this is it's what tough. I don't get. Like, you got to tell us something. Like, we don't know anything. It's, imp- it's impossible. It's like playing, a, you know. <laughs> Which reduces us back to the original answer, great customer service. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we're still developing. I'm, I'm still, in my mind, conceptualizing, you know, what I really want to take root here. But it's. it's I understand um, your concern. Your concern is that you're going to do something, and that thing is going to be... Uh, there's somebody else in the industry and how do you go up against them if they seem to own everything? If, if you're, if you have a good idea and you're willing to put in the time and the energy, 
then I see no reason why you can't be successful. You don't have to worry. I'm not going to say don't worry about the competition. Of course, worry about the competition. You have to. But if what you're doing is something that's, that's unique and different, then there's room. There's always room for it. When is there not room for something new? I'm always looking for something new. I'm always looking for something like that. Like here, I got this, this bottle of water. It's not great. The water tastes good, but the bottle's not great. If somebody came out with water that was equally as good and had a better bottle, I would buy that instead. Even though Ozarka has been around since 1905. I'll try something new. Ozarka owns this here in Austin. They, They were the big water guys. But if there was some kind of better water, I would try it. Be better. That's the answer is be better. Could yeah. be customer service. Could be some other way. Since we, you told us absolutely nothing about your idea or the industry you're in or the player you're up against, we can only be absolutely general. So the my generalized answer for you is just be better. Whatever yeah. that All means. Right. And, and that's right. kind of when, what the statistics when, when are. When we're too. closer to, uh, when, when we're, we're actually, you know, closer to, to fully launching, uh, maybe I'll come back with, uh, I'll give with more details and whatnot. All right, do it. I got a couple questions though, because you uh, said you're going in the uh, you're going into business with a family member, correct? That scares me too. Yeah. Uh, you, I mean, have you set we, up no, an LLC we, we and all about that stuff? Because I know that. Yeah. I, we talked about this about how how the, the, the family structure does not apply towards the business. You know how they like, how they I, say, I Matt? They say that anytime you enter into a professional relationship with somebody, that you need to have a written agreement. The first thing, Joel. I thought Joel and I were friends. You know, I thought we were friends. I'd name my kid after him. And then when we're finally like getting down to saying, okay, let's do some t-shirts. He shows up with a freaking dictionary and he says, just sign it. And I'm like, what's this? And he's like, it's just our standard agreement. And to and, be fair, that was to ship your shirts, but sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just to ship the shirts. Yes. And he showed up and he says, well, this isn't even all of it. There's more pages. <laughs> I have my assistants bringing them. It was so much, it was like a truckload of stuff. And I said, you know what, Joe, I trust you. I'm just going to sign it. And I signed it, but you need to have a profession. And he, you know why he has it? Because he's smart. He has this agreement because he's smart because he's dealing with physical stuff that they're going to like buy for you and ship for you and you need to pay him. And it's serious. And so you need to have an agreement for any kind of professional relationship that you engage with somebody in. I will say that's a thousand times more important if you're related to the person because there's all kinds of weird stuff that happens when you work with somebody you're related to. Maybe it's going to be great. Maybe the exception to this, and maybe this is stupid too, would be if you're like a husband and wife thing. Maybe you don't need it then. I mean, I never had that then, but maybe you need it even more. I don't know. All right, Matt, listen, call us back when you can tell us anything at all about what you're doing. (laughs) All right. All right. I'm just I'm just nervous about it until we go, you know, until we go live. That's all. All right. Tell me when you go live then. Mystery will be solved then. All right. All right. I hope he I'm I'm not worried about him because I know nothing about him. We have to yeah, wait and see. That document though, Joel. <laughs> Our contract? Yeah. There's scary stuff in there. No, yeah, I didn't, really I didn't know what you meant though. when you called it a dictionary. It was a dictionary. Went... It was it was like <laughs> war and peace. And he's and and I think he does it. I don't know what I signed even. And I think he does it because he knows that by the time you get halfway through it, you're just going to give up and sign the end. He's smart. He's a smart businessman. It's really, really not that intimidating. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't let it put you off from doing a few pages of legal stuff. That's it. Now I'm thinking a large set of encyclopedias. Yeah, it would. 
Hattie, did you see this thing? Do you remember this thing? No, that this was. Document? I think that was a little bit before me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It protects us both, Dan. <laughs> Keeps us safe. It's a, it is a prophylactic for our relationship. T-shirts. Um, t-shirts. All right, I need to. I need to read this email because this is an epic email that I received. The person does not want to be identified uh, because they are concerned. I will reveal some things about the person. Um, I have given her a code name. Her code name is Michelle. I will not reveal her location. I have revealed that it's a she. And the main reason I've done that is because, Hattie, we, have, we do have uh, women listening to the show t- besides you and Tina. And now Michelle. And now Michelle. So there's at least three people who are women who would listen to the show. And Virginia, I haven't forgotten you, who's apparently on hold now. So we'll have to take her call and we'll have to go back to Alex. But here's, I'm going to read from, quote unquote, Michelle's email. Hi, Dan, I was listening to episode eight of Quit yesterday and realized I'm a corporate stooge. (laughs) I've heard the term before, but never thought I might be this person. I'm a stooge because I'm the only one at my company who knows what I do and nobody else can do it. I'm a web developer, but I mostly manage a buggy third-party ordering system and handle tech support issues. I landed this job many years ago based on my technical writing skills and ability to learn quickly. The third-party ordering system was really terrible in those days. I could rewrite the help documents. To be helpful, they're still dreadful. Nobody else in the office could even come close to the level of knowledge I have about this beast. I think she has just accurately described... So many of our listeners, so many, because you're in this job and you've figured out something and you can do something and nobody else can do it. Nobody else understands it. Everyone probably hates it. And maybe they even hate you a little bit by extension because you represent the evil to them. And they have to go through you, even if you're very helpful. She continues. She talks about um, other things that she does, how, how quickly she's learned. And here's the one thing she says. My compensation hasn't kept pace with my skill and I don't know if that's on purpose because my employer is cheap, they are, or if the business just doesn't have the money to pay me well for at least one of my responsibilities. No matter the reason, I should have negotiated upward from the beginning. I was broke and happy to have work when I started. I wasn't thinking long-term. Who is thinking long-term though? Yeah, I mean, you just want to get a job. You just want to get a job. Like yep. you want to get a job doing something that sounds cool. You know, I mean, Shlok's always, he's very long. He's a long-term guy. What they call the long con. <laughs> Match, matchstick men. He is a matchstick man. But because some companies actually prey on that, right? You're in oh, a state of desperation. Totally. It's That's who I'm looking for. You've been long- out of work for a week? Don't care. You've been out of work for six months? So let's talk. Yeah. Long term leads up to today. Last year was a slow year for my employer. There wasn't much work for a few months. I took on freelance projects during that time because I had bills to pay. I'm not well respected and underappreciated there. That's awful. Okay. Today I make more freelancing than I do at my day job. And that's with a part-time commitment. I enjoy my freelance work much better than my day job. My clients appreciate my work much more than my bosses. I've gotten an amazing response from my freelance colleagues. I've been told I have a real gift for what I'm doing. My day job sucks up so much of my time that I'm often so exhausted I can only do a minimum of freelance work. I badly want to leave my day job. I have a husband and kids, so I don't want to leave without a good plan. We've paid off debts, so our expenses are low. I would like to work remotely instead of driving to an office to work on an internet as I do now. Oh, the internet, sorry. 
I think I would fit in better at a technology company than where I am now. I'm willing to work part-time so I can have more time to freelance, but it's tough to find a remote or part-time remote gig. She uh, has a re- uh, you know links to the work that she's done. Here is the tricky part, Shlok. Don't look at me like that. You're saving it. I was wondering, I mean, this is pretty slam dunk so far. I don't have a college degree, so it's tough to get past resume screeners without one. I think I need connections to get a job as a technical writer documentation specialist under user doc, or user documentation specialist. This is what my wife uh, did for many, many, many years. And where she lives, which will remain a secret, she says there's not a large tech community. And she's concerned about what to do. So the fear of not getting a job because of the uh, lack of a degree. Yeah. But the freelance stuff pays well and is rewarding and puts her remote the way she wants. Yeah. Uh, Joel, do you, do you see that? I, I don't see two options. I see one. Which is to just move towards freelance? Yeah. Go for it. I mean, if the husband has, I mean, honestly, if the husband has benefits, then you're good to go. We don't know if he has benefits or not. We don't know if he has a job or not. Maybe he's a stay-at-home dad. Uh-huh. We don't know. She's not listening live. She told me she would not be able to listen live. You know, there's only a certain amount of security that you have, but it sounds like she's unhappy. She's not respected. She's badly paid. So my question for her, and she can't answer this, but these are questions she's going to have to think about. And I think the people in the audience who are in a similar situation would do well to think about these things. If the situation at work were to change and she were to be better compensated, she's not respected. That sucks. And I don't know how you overcome that. I don't know if you can overcome that. But if she was to suddenly be well compensated, would she stay? If the answer is yes, and she's prepared to leave anyway, then go to your boss and say, I need better compensation. Oh, well, times have been really tough. It's been a really tough year. I I don't think we can do it. Well, then that's going to help make her decision. Well, somebody in, in your position, we just, can't, we just can't justify paying you more. Well, that's going to help make her decision. You know, is she, if, if, if the answer is no, that even if she was paid better, she'd still want to get out of there. Then she's got to get out of there. She's not respected. She's paid poorly. And that, the writing's on the wall. Hmm, what? I thought you were talking about who we had lunch with today. No, this is a whole different uh, person. Same situation. Similar situation. Like, yep. Yeah. It's not just women in this situation either. What would you do, Joel? You'd walk. I would, but I'm not somebody who's ever really gone looking for a jobby job ever. <laughs> you're you're unemployable, just like I am. Yes, I mean, yeah. I've Neither rare, of us. I mean, really ever had a job. Like you and I could could go into business together, and we would be happy, and we could do something really cool. But neither of us could go and work for someone. Else. We could partner with people, but we could not assimilate anymore. maybe uh, yeah i don't know but i don't i would probably not yeah. you don't you, want to know yeah. I, I think you'd be a great employee you're early you're like an hour early today <laughs> well i've been late on you a few times in no, a row so I that was just it. one lunch it's nothing and joe you have an mba right i do so an mba saying that is kind of unique i know but i never went in the career office once <laughs> good <laughs> like I, I didn't i didn't yeah People and I, I graduated in a time of a really good job market. There were there were multiple signing bonus offers mm. for most of my classmates. It wasn't like today. 
but I just I never went through any of that stuff. So many people have this problem that uh, Michelle is describing. I think you have a good handle on it. I think you do go in there looking for that compensation, and you do it in a smart way, right? You have a even have a slide in your hand saying, hey, here's all this complex stuff only I know. It's going to cost you this much to hire somebody else and ramp them up on it. So give me that instead. And then after that, if it if they give it to you, great. But I still think it's a freelance piece that's going to make her life better. Sounds like it's going to be better. If her husband is making enough money where he can kind of carry things while she experiments on this, then she's got to do it. Okay, so that's, that's uh, man, we got three more calls. Jeremy in Oklahoma City, scared about going freelance. Oh, we got to take his call. You said it's a good one, Hattie. All right. Jeremy, Oklahoma City. Hi, Dan. How are you? Doing doing well. I'm actually I'm actually at my job right now, uh, working on an email blast that is going out this uh, this weekend. I love it when but people call I, the show from their jobs. There's nothing better for me <laughs> than that. That's victory. I, I do I do like I do love the company I work for, but I've been here almost eight years. Um, twenty seven years old. Um, I've, I've you started when you were you were nineteen. Yeah, actually, yes. Um, I I am now uh, a salary employee. We've we've expanded over the years, and it's been great to help them um, grow. But I've always I've always wanted to kind of establish a business for myself or a means that I could uh, travel and work anywhere in the world. Um, I recently was divorced a few years ago, and so I got the opportunity to. Um, to actually travel and experience things that I didn't think I'd ever get to. Um, I really love Japan. So the last few years I spent time in Japan. And so I'm trying to, I'm trying to just figure out how I want to, I guess, save money um, and still kind of give myself the opportunity to travel. All right, so you want to go to Japan and uh, and you're divorced and you've been working at one place for eight years. Do you have debt? Actually, all, the only debt I have is my my house, my mortgage right now, um, and I, I make um, a good amount of money that I could save up for a few more months, and then in in May when I plan to uh, stop, I could actually kind of live on that for a few months if I need to. But I think I think it's just the fear of losing my house um, is what keeps me in my comfort zone, and I don't want to step outside of it. And I, I know I can work hard, and I know I can push myself and bust my ass if I need to. And I think I'm just trying to figure out what I need that, to actually push me. Sometimes I worry and kind of am afraid of being fired for just almost no reason. And I kind of almost feel like that's what I need to make myself jump into really pushing uh, for my own business. That's an interesting mental trick, right? You fire yourself. Hmm. And, um, and you know, there's, there's, it's an old saying, but uh, you know, burn the bridge, burn the, burn the fleet. Once you land, burn the fleet. You don't sell the house, rent the house out, get rid of the house. 
if you want to go live this life and it's like meaningful enough to where you're going to uproot yourself and quit this job and move on, then um, unless this house has super, super, super sentimental value, it's it's an investment. I mean, it's not a home. Your home is going to be in Japan. Yeah, and it's, I mean, the one of the reasons I kind of don't want to get rid of the house is because actually in Oklahoma, it's, I mean, housing is pretty cheap and it's, it's something that if, like, I guess renting it would be a better solution for me. So you put your house up for rent. You put your house up for rent. You go travel. I mean, people do this all the time. I'd say even do it now. Live in an Airbnb thing for a couple of months if you need to. It gets you in that mindset. Yeah, I mean, I mean you got you, nothing holding you back. Yeah, that's, yeah, you just, that's want, you just want me to tell you to go and do it? Go do it. <laughs> I mean, you've, you know, you, I, you, I, have, you have no debt. You have yeah. no family to support. If you get a mortgage on your house that you could rent out and probably break even or make some money, maybe you can always sell the house. I mean, personally, I wouldn't want to rent out a house and like live in it again. (laughs) And it's new job in Japan or same job in Japan working remotely. Um, I would, I would essentially need to, I guess, create a job for myself. I I would want to, you want to do freelance. You want to do web design. You just want to live in Japan. To go do it then. <laughs> I think one could, if you're, if you're good enough, yeah, you could totally, if you're, if you're good enough, you'll get the work. I mean, do you, you, do you have any freelance experience? Or are you doing it already? I have done some freelance. Mm, um, okay. It kind mm. of, it All right. So down, I made, I made a bad um, assumption that you already had a freelance practice going. Do that first. Cause you may hate it. Not everybody is cut out for freelance. Do that first. Do it in your side. Yeah, do it now. Do it now. Do it from. Do it where you are now. Do it from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. at night and on the weekends, every night. Do it and get, make a name for yourself, get clients, get ongoing clients, do great work. And if you can do that for three months, six months and, and make a nice living and you think that you prefer doing that to actually doing your, uh, doing your day job, then you know that you like it. But the worst thing you could possibly do would be to quit your job, rent your house, <laughs> to show up in Japan and be like, well, I really like sushi, but I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> and I hate freelancing. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Because in freelancing, yeah. you'll spend more time trying to get clients and oh, keep yeah. them happy than you will doing work. Oh, th- well said. Probably 60-40 or 70-30 getting clients than, than you will actually doing the work. And it's feast or famine. There'll oh, be yeah. periods where there's nothing, yeah. and then there'll yeah. be periods where you don't have enough time to get it all done for three different people, but you had to say yes to them all. Yeah. Yeah, because I need to eat. So it's, do that first. Do that for a good six months or a year. And like Dan says, get some deadlines and get some goals. Hit those and then yeah, rent the house and move on. All right. Thanks for the call, Jeremy. King Jeremy the Wicked. Thank you for the call. Take <laughs> care. Good so luck. All right. We're going to take one last call because we lost the Russian. That's all right. We don't need him. I kind of liked him. I like him a lot. <laughs> he's, a, he's what they call a chronic. He's a great caller, though. I love him. Tina, you're still hanging out? I'm here. Do you like the, listening to the show this way? Yeah, I do. Okay. You know, you know, Virginia, right? The other, the other woman listener that we have. Yes. <laughs> I think this is her. She wants to talk about four o'clock in the morning courage. 
she says she wakes up at 4 a.m. all the time with her mind racing about what to do. Before I bring her on, I just want to say that for people who are, are waking up at 4 a.m. and it's not because of a child, you have problems. <laughs> I used to wake up at 4 or 5 in the morning, but, oh, I got so much to do, so many ideas. Now I wish I could just have that time back and just lay in the bed, my eyes closed, and go right back to sleep. I could do it. I could totally do it. Virginia, what is, uh, what's going on with you? How are you? I'm, I'm good, Dan. How are you? You're back. So what's going I'm, on? I'm I, there's also an email in here with you from you. Oh, no, no. The email's for Hattie. Oh. It's about okay. advertising. All right. You well, can good. ignore that. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll ignore I know. <laughs> but you must be doing well if you're advertising, huh? Um, yeah, I'm getting ready. I just got the legal clearance on my new name today. I don't want to announce it because the website's all still lorem ipsum, but we'll, we'll get it on the frequency soon. I'm just, uh, I'm freaking out. I don't know. I'm, I'm spending my days, spending a chunk of the day working and a chunk of the day, you know, doing errands, meeting with like contractors for stuff that we've been putting off, you know, fixing up our house now that I'm home all the time. And then I, at like the end of the day at like eight or nine, I'll start to feel like I didn't get enough done, so I'll start going back into work mode, and then it's in my brain, and I can't shut my brain off. And I'll go to bed when I usually do, and I'll just lie there with my brain awake and alive and racing but unproductively until about 4 in the morning when I finally just give up and get up and basically don't sleep all night because my head is just spinning with, like, different things to juggle. And I'm I'm trying to do getting things done, trying to kind of keep a better tab on all of those things so that they're not loose in my head, but I just wonder how you do it. I know that you work from home and that you work long hours and I just wonder how you separate. Well, I mean, I, I, for me, there was very little separation ever. I mean, that's my own personal problem, but I don't know. I mean, some like when you're working for somebody else and you work from home, Schloke did this for a while. I did. Was it easy for you to, to separate at the end of the day or, or say, I'm going to start working at this time, and then I'm, when I'm done, I'm going to be done. And you could, could you do that? Could you walk away? I could away? absolutely not do that. It was, I mean, a major, I mean, it was a, it was a problem, right? Like, I, I even got so desperate as to try and separate. The living room is where I do shulk things. Mm. And then the other room is where I do crap for work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, that's a little bit of a trick. I started leaving the house, right? I'd go to coffee shops and whatever just to try to separate and in the end, it turned out I, I absolutely am not equipped for that lifestyle. And you should definitely get an office or a co-working thing as soon as possible, is my humble opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I... I do have a home office. I mean, I had one. I had a home office, and I had one for seven or eight years I worked from home. Several different homes. I worked from home, and I, I, I loved it for some reasons. But that separation, being able to say, I'm done. Very, very, very difficult to do that. And especially difficult when it's not, you're not even working for someone else. When I worked for someone else, it was like, look, I had, I had that office and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be done and I'm going to shut the door. I'm going to walk out of there. And I had a thing like when I was done for the day and I always aimed to be done for the day at a certain time, I, you know, whether that was five 30 or six or six 30 or seven, whatever the time was that I would walk out of the room I actually had a, a different, it was, you know, like an old laptop, but I had a different computer outside of that room that I would use for like personal stuff and browsing and looking around and doing it. It was, it was a separate mentality. I would leave, if they had had iPads back then, I just would have had an iPad, you know, and I would shut the door 
and leave everything physically and mentally behind me. And it was the only way I could get separation from it. Contain it in one room. Yeah. Yeah. Never let that come out because that had to be work. That was possible when it wasn't my thing. When it was my business, I could never stop thinking about it. And there was no separation like that that worked for me. It just didn't translate. It didn't work. So I would wake up in the morning and I would like, you know, run in there. So one thing that helped me get away from that, the only thing that really helped me get away from that eventually was like meditation. Because I had this meditation practice and I would always do that before I would do anything else. I would do that before I would, you know, get coffee or tea or whatever or or eat breakfast or check email or anything. And that taught me to... You do it first thing in the morning? Yeah. I'm not saying you need to go and do this. I'm just saying that's what worked for me. And that was the only thing that really worked for me. But still, it's not like that's going to stop you from thinking about it or it's going to, you know... Like my wife would always be like, when when are you just not going to have like a computer at the table when we're trying to eat? Like I've got stuff, got stuff I've got to do. Like now when I get home, I'm so exhausted that I can't even think about it. So that's the other thing is like, if you're completely exhausted, then that's one way. Maybe I need to just tire myself out. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, if you're already waking up at four and you're working until late at night, then good luck with that. I mean, the, the, what Shlok said is getting a, getting a physical office space that you can go to. I resisted that for so long. And looking back in some ways, I wish I had done it a lot earlier because it, it really does make a difference. You have a different mentality. You have a commute, even if it's a mile away or a block away, or you ride your bike or you can walk if you're lucky. You know, Merlin famously walks from his, you know, wherever he lives, house, quote unquote house, to his quote unquote office, you know, by the massage parlors, you know, that that there is a transition that he makes, a mental transition that he makes. He knows how long it takes him to get there. He goes there, he makes that transition, and then he's now in another place and he can leave all of that stuff behind. He can do that, that, those activities that he calls work, whatever, whatever they are, whether it's podcasting or writing or whatever, those things are, live in that place. The things that you call work live in that place. And when you leave physically, it's like, well, that, I'm leaving that thing behind. I'm done with that thing. But then you say, well, that costs money, doesn't it? 400 a month, 800 a month, more. Maybe you don't want to spend that money. So try the, the closed door thing. Try to, try to save it. Because you need, you eventually, you eventually will, uh, will need a break and you will burn yourself out and you will be miserable. And then you run the risk. You really run the risk of starting to dislike what you do, not because you don't like it, but because you've burned yourself out on it. Because that's what I'm scared of. Well, then, then you gotta, then you gotta stop. You gotta draw some lines for yourself. And if you start treating what you're doing, instead of having a thousand things that you want to do every single day and struggling so hard to get all those things done, if you and again, this is all Merlin's advice. You treat everything like a project, you know. You treat things yeah. like a project, and you say, "Okay, you know what? I'm going to do this thing, and it's probably going to take me 20 hours to do it. So, how many days does that mean if I work 10 hours a day? Well, two days, great. And after 10 hours, like shut the door and, and leave it. It'll be there tomorrow. Nothing's ever done, Virginia. Nothing's ever done." Nothing's ever finished. No matter what it is, it's never finished. Nothing's ever complete. Nothing's ever done. 
There's always one more thing you can do. And if you really understand that and really grasp that, then it's it's a little bit easier to say, okay, this can wait till tomorrow. Okay, Virginia, we're going long. I got to let you go. But good luck to you, okay? Thank you. I appreciate the advice, Dan. All right, take care of yourself. Take care. All right, Tina, I'm going to let you go too. Okay. Where can people go to see? The, they have to They have to drive to Brooklyn <laughs> and they have to, what do they have to do to get, you know, to see you on stage? Well, right now I'm not performing. So I guess I'll, you can follow me on Twitter and when I have something I can, I'll, I'll let you guys know. All right. Who are you on Twitter? Uh, Tina, T-I-N-A underscore Nikolova, N-I-K-O-L-O-V-A. Well, I applaud you for listening to this show. <laughs> Thank you very much for hanging out today. Thank you, Dan. All right. Good luck. Bye. Bye. It's also, uh, we're going to sign off with our folks here in the studio. Shlok, where do people go to shlok it up? <laughs> that's actually your call. When he shows up. Yep. That's, he's he'll shloking walk it up. In, shlok in the house. <laughs> and he does the peace symbol with both hands. Yep. Just to clarify, Dan does all of this. And no, do you do this every this. time you walk in. Shlok in the house. <laughs> And his big medallion is so yeah, I know, he's always medallion. swinging around. And like, he's he's not, the thing is, he's like not a rapper, but he thinks he is. And he might uh, as well be. None of these things happen. It's all true. <laughs> not a single well, one. Describe your sunglasses then. <laughs> they're, ra- they're cool, they're hip-hop glasses. They're cool sunglasses. I don't know about hip-hop, hip-hop. but they're cool. <laughs> He'll take cool in the- He does this thing a lot. Yep. You know, what is that? What do you call that? I don't know why you're looking at me. What do you call it? Because this is your... Then his arm out. He's got two fingers and curled up, and then he's pointing his weapon it's at like the ground. It's like a gun. It's like a fake it's gun. It's like a fake gun, and it's like, boom. At the ground? I thought <laughs> it was... I thought you Yosemite it with Sam. Hands. This is what he does. It's like in the oh, Gorillaz it's, it's video, that, in the Feel that. Good Inc. video. We'll watch that later after the show. Okay. <laughs> so, um, Shlok is on Twitter. Shloki, S-H-L-O-K-Y. Yep. And you can also go to, is it, what's your website now? Same, shloki.com. Shloki.com. <laughs> you can check out his book, a really great book. Tell us about the book really quick. Uh, it's a dystopian novel or novella about Apple. It uses Tim Cook and uh, all of his executives as the main characters. Had fun with it. Go check it out. It's available on Amazon. You can get it on your Kindle. Can I get a print? It's called Rise, Rise of Siri. The Rise of the Rise of Siri. I'm ready to do an audio read of that. Perfect. <laughs> I'm waiting for that offer. An unsolicited. And now to my friend Joel Bush, ampl- Amplifier.com. That's correct. Yes. How did you snag that? No. My God. We were very fortunate. We had to we had to buy it from someone, but no like stereo equipment company or anything was was using it. It was just Man. someone was squatting on it and we got it. <laughs> Amplifier.com. These are the folks that anytime you order one of the amazing t-shirts and uh, that kind of paraphernalia. And we have a new on-demand thing coming with, oh, with your friends at be, Shopify. It's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. Merchify. So- People can go also to Merchify.com. Merchify.com. Mm-hmm. And soon to be wed. That's right. Joel, for those who don't know, how could we Hattie? I know. I know. How could we not have said this? Tell the story. It's the end of the show. No, I think Joel, this is Joel's story to tell. No, All right. We'll close on this story. We'll tell us the story. Close on the short story of your proposal. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. The, uh, he's famous. He's famous already. I mean, I, Thankfully, not really, but yeah. it, the, the story did have some legs. Make the news. I uh, proposed at the Texas Capitol. Very nice sort of state grounds a park surrounds this building in the center of downtown austin 
and I had, it was a total surprise. We were going to Paris the next week and most people who thought my proposal was long overdue assumed it would happen in Paris and I wanted to surprise her. So I, I told her I needed a ride from the capital. It was 1030 at night on a weeknight. <laughs> and so she just came down thinking she was going to give me a ride and I got her to go on a walk in the park. She having not been on the grounds at night and we had a nice private moment. I got down on one, one knee and asked if she would marry me. And thankfully she said, she said, yes. And we left, went home. That was the end of it. You know, we, we started sharing the news with family and uh, that was a Wednesday night. Fridays, I gather a crowd of uh, fun people in Austin um, at a coffee shop and I was there and a friend who I had told um, that I was, you know, soon to ask uh, Jen, he came in and asked how it went and um, I told him I was going to do it at a different location. When I told him I did it at the Capitol, he said, oh, that's you on Reddit. Oh, man. <laughs> and I, I had no idea what he was talking about. And I, I had, um, I actually, I, I had, now I'm remembering, I had seen, someone had emailed me just the photo. So imagine this. So I wake up Friday morning <laughs> and I have an email from a friend of mine saying, and the, and the email subject line says, is this you? So you, and it's just a link, right? It's one of those images that you have to kind of click on the, f the file name to get the image. And so at first, I thought somebody had been spammed, and it was one of those things that you see all the time. Oh, but yeah. I clicked on it, and up is this high-res photo of me and Jen. It's a perfectly it's composed photograph. <laughs> and I had no idea where it came from. It's clearly us in the exact moment of maximum surprise from Jen. I mean, it's, it's so the, cool. It's the perfect photograph of that moment. And so then my friend AJ, uh, or AT, uh, told me, that um that he had seen it on Reddit, so I went to Reddit, and sure enough, on this on the Austin subreddit, the individual uh, who had taken the picture posted it there. A photographer, he's great. He takes he told me he takes two three hundred photos every single day. Uh, he has an estimated three to four hundred thousand in his total personal archive. He just loves taking pictures. He happened to be out for a bike ride. He stopped with a friend his friend said hey i think that guy's about to propose and he pulled out his camera and snapped some shots and happened to get sort of the perfect photo so reddit his posting it on reddit made it find us then mashable reddit did a story about it and uh, a news agency a news station here in town interviewed patrick the photographer and that that piece went everywhere it was on the it was on the front page of CNN.com for amazing. several days. Isn't that crazy? Daily Mail and all this hilarious stuff. So while we were on vacation, we just kept getting all these Twitter posts of people wishing us well. It was, it was hilarious. The funny part was that, um, you know, she did not know this was about to happen. And, and she was kidding with me, like, are you kidding? You know, my, you know, you proposed and I'm in a sweatshirt and short. You know, I, just, <laughs> I just threw on something to come pick you up. And uh, as we were walking off from the Capitol, I was like, you know, don't worry about it. No one will ever see this picture. <laughs> no one will ever see it. It's just us. This is perfect. You know, it, it went really well. That is a great story. So we will have that photo as well as all the other links, all the other folks in the show notes, which can be found at 5x5.tv slash quick slash nine. Uh, oh, Hattie has a Twitter account, Hattie, H-A-D-D-I-E, Bird. I'm Dan Benjamin on Twitter. Check out hover.com slash Dan sent me. And uh, that about does it for today. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Have a great weekend. And uh, we'll be back next week, Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. See you then.